when you are the character, the way it changes people is you're showing the world how you were changing. You know, there is no story without transformation. And the beauty of telling your own stories, you really don't know where it's going to go, but you're telling it. I've been on my own quote unquote hero's journey. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of strings of videos that I've made in the past that I'm kind of ashamed of and think like, <laughs> oh man, what an unhealthy spot I was in, or even just yeah. what a bad edit. But as I, I do appreciate the overall look, and I wish us, you know, being a pastor, I wish us as Christians, I think we'd be a lot more encouraged because we always look at like what's next and we don't feel like we're growing enough. But if we document or if we journal, even the last five years, 10 years, you actually do quickly see how much you've grown. And so we're always looking ahead. We need, we do need to spend some time looking back and going, wow, look who I used to be. And that's been the beauty of using YouTube, both to inspire people to go on that journey with me, but it's also been really self-serving for myself to kind of see where God has sovereignly just taken me from one, one step of the journey to the next. What is up, entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the Video Simplified Podcast with your hostess, the mostest, Diana Gladney. This week is probably by far like a full circle, one of my favorite podcast episodes to date because I get a chance in another one of our fantabulous interviews to sit down and talk with my friend, someone that honestly, even though he's younger than me, has been a mentor in many ways um, with the work that he has done. Um, which is Trey Van Camp, Pastor Trey Van Camp, something I'm very, very passionate about. Um, and if you've ever listened to any interview that I've been on, or maybe even listened to this podcast long, for a long time, is I'm very passionate about um, other people. Like literally, that's why I do what I do is helping you share your vision using video, because I fully believe that if the world were to be this better place that everybody talks about that it should be that it would be because we are all and obviously it won't be a hundred percent success rate but that's the hope you know but that we would all be in doing our purposeful work you're not not that we don't need people working at the bank not like we don't need gas station attendants not like we don't need you know i'm saying hashtag uh fill in the blank for literally anything, but those positions, those jobs, those whatevers that people are passionate about, the work that you think about 24-7, if more of us were doing our purposeful work, the world would be a better place because you would be where you're created to be. You're, You're where you're positioned to be, where you're supposed to be. And I still firmly believe that. And so it, it is my goal, my mission and purpose with the work that I do in helping to break down these complex concepts uh, when it comes to video so that the camera and the technology gets out of the way so that you, the creator, can get into why you bought the gear and stuff to begin with. You can literally start sharing your message. And when I was finding myself like uber passionate, it felt like um, like a lid finally got ripped off, you know, like a, not like in a, <laughs> a crazy way, but just like, you know, anybody that loves yogurt, uh, can't handle dairy anymore, but I still love dairy, dairy. It just don't love me. But when I would pull the lid off of like a blueberry, um, like yogurt cup and you just like the joy, cause you're getting ready to get into it. Right. That kind of lid coming off 
moment for me was when I started to get more passionate about video, I started to watch more YouTube videos, started to follow more, more um, people just like literally actively subscribing to just like a ton of stuff because the world of YouTube exposed to me how incredible life can be that life isn't just the what you see and what you personally experienced or what your family has seen and personally experienced what the people that were influential to you growing up, the life was like, life was more. I, I used to believe when I was a kid, I remember looking out the window at uh, across the street to just, I don't know, like the next door house or whatever, summer day, things like on summer break. And I remember thinking, and I think I've even, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've ever shared this story with anybody. I remember thinking that like, what, what would have happened if I didn't have the parents that I had, if I didn't have the life that I had, and maybe uh, my favorite athlete at the time, it was like, was my, was my parent like, and then life would be better because I would have opportunities that maybe a person like that only would get. I remember thinking like always wishing and wanting and, and just like hopeful, like one day somebody's going to knock on the door and tell me that there's like, it was like a surprise. It was an accident or <laughs> something like, you know what I'm saying? Like the whole thing of, um, Willy Wonka and the golden ticket or Peter Pan coming to get you and take you off to this great adventure. And life is so much of a great adventure that for some people hasn't happened yet. And I fully believe, I firmly believe that that adventure has to be chosen. And when I realized this, I started looking and I started thinking, cause I'm a Christian. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody, but I started thinking like, man, like, what great work could we do as believers? What great work could we just honestly start embarking on if more of us were on YouTube? So then you get into like, well, now it'd be like for TikTok, it'd be like Christian talk or something like that. But I was just looking like, where are we at on the internet? Where are we at like with the world? What are we doing to help people live better lives? What are we doing to not just like share our faith and be preaching to people, but like, where are we? being present in all of these conversations about just stuff or you have to finding somebody else that's in a like-minded space. And where are we with helping people get through those dark, those, those dark days or sharing that, you know what, today wasn't an all right day for me, but it's okay because you know what I'm saying? Like, where, where are we? And so I came across uh, a couple, couple pages. I came across um, one buddy that um, was now a friend, which I, which is interesting. Um, and his channel, Pro Church Tools, it's Brady Shearer. I also came across a gentleman who does different things now, um, but his channel name at the time was called That Christian Vlogger. Um, and I thought that was extremely fascinating. I had no idea who Casey Neistat was. And the first time I even heard about Casey Neistat was through through Sean Cannell, and I thought he was talking about a girl, like a girl named Casey. So, <laughs> and that guy. However... I remember thinking like, man, it'd be so dope if pastors weren't seen as this white collar enemy, you know what I'm saying? Or just collared enemy person that steals money and doesn't do anything for the community. And like, that's, you know what I'm saying? That was never my experience growing up. And not that my experience is indicative to everybody's experience, but you know what I'm saying? Like the overall perception and perspective, like people see one 
Christians are normal people. We make mistakes. It's not all grandiose and amazing just because we love Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like life sucks sometimes <laughs> and it's not. And then you die. It's, it's going to be okay because number one, you're not by yourself. Number two, you don't have to walk through life by yourself. And number three, there's more for you. Life is not just created to be a box. There's more for you, like the capacity of life. And I just really remember desiring, and I still have this desire, which is why I love vlogging. Long intro, but I mean, you're here, so don't leave. <laughs> but I remember thinking like, it'd be so dope if pastors vlogged, like they should be like the main vloggers out here. And I just remember saying nobody. And it was Brady had his channel Pro Church Tools. And I remember just trying to think, like, get people to wake up to the idea of YouTube, wake up to the idea of video. I wasn't teaching video and stuff yet. And I was like, man, I got to find a pastor or somebody that's vlogging. I got to. Like, it, like, how is this not happening yet? And Brady Shearer of Pro Church Tools did a, a show, and I came across um, Trey Van Camp. And Trey was the embodiment of what I had a vision for and what I wish and what I still today, when I get in these Christian spaces, when I have, you know, I get in, um, hired on for talking and speaking and keynotes and all these different things um, to these Christian organizations, I'm like, y'all are lazy. You being lazy because, and give an example like Trey Van Kelp or Joshua Verwers. Hell, I could give my, my friends the vlog pastors. Literally, that's their thing, branding for it. But that's what them fools ain't vlogging right now, neither. So if you listen to the podcast, slap on the wrist, but they're getting back into it. But um, Jared Brown, bite a brownie, throwing you under the bus. So um, anyway, say all that to say, this is an area and a space that as important as video has become in my life, this message is even more important to me. Like this sits on top of everything else that I've done. And I wish to, in some capacity that I could do more, but I know those days are coming. And so I hope that this episode is a beginning and more of a journey into, if you're a believer, you're going to get value out of this number two. And if you're not a believer, you're still going to get value out of this. So either way, you're going to learn something because Trey is one of the best, most honestly fun vloggers, but not just vloggers. He's a really good educator, a really good educator. And I love that he's learned to share uh, his experiences and, and life through his vlogs. And I'm going to put a link to his channel for sure in the description, but I really, 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 really want you all to take a, a listen into this week's episode. Share this one out with other Christian friends, if you have them, or even non-Christian friends as well, because this is something that literally needs to spark a fire in every last one of our communities worldwide. Because again, if more people were in their lane doing their purposeful work, I firmly believe the world would be that better place that we all hope for. And I think when we start getting more impactful, more 
motivated leaders, more like true good leaders that like walk the walk. They don't just talk about it. They literally walk the walk. And that and walking the walk means the parts where you scrape your knee, the parts where you fall, the part like they, you know what I'm saying? And documenting that journey is extremely important. So this is a episode that's really close to my heart because Trey is somebody I've greatly admire and I think he's an incredible leader teacher uh, and pastor and just honestly one hell of a vlogger <laughs> and so uh, I want to introduce you all to my friend Trey Van Camp in this week's podcast now that's enough of an intro for me let's get into this week's episode well Trey I am super pumped honored and pleased to have you uh, on the podcast and really get a chance to sit down and talk with you how are you doing my friend you know, today's a great day. I've learned, take it one day at a time. Today mm -hmm. is blessed, highly favored. I'm doing well. I'm so happy to be on your channel. Like, we have known each other for at least four years, I think, at yeah. least. Yep. Maybe even longer than that. I think we met from my first Brady Shear shout out, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that how we got connected? So, yeah. Uh, actually, that was like actually no, that was, I was already following you by then. I had came back around to you, but it was actually through. So, whenever you met with Joshua Verwers, um, Ah, okay. Somewhere, yes. somewhere around that, but for sure, because I, yeah, it had to, somewhere between that and Brady Shearer or so, somewhere between that. Yeah, well, anyways, I'm doing great because I believe in what you're doing and I love to be on this podcast. So, super grateful. And uh, it's been incredible to see your growth and incredible to see how much you help people. Literally, I'm going to be on, I, I know I'm probably skipping some steps here in this interview, but <laughs> literally, I don't shoot auto anymore because of you. So thank you. My first three and a half, four years, I've been on YouTube for now for over five, was all auto because I didn't know skin tone. I didn't understand any of that. You helped me. Thank you. How are you My doing? My pleasure. Today? I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> you know, any day that you wake up, make a strong cup of coffee. I think you can make it through just fine, you know. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But but you know what? That's interesting to hear you say that because I have never like I, I one, I would have never guessed that about the auto thing. And number two, it just goes to show like it don't matter. Like the camera will kind of figure it out, but you know, that right. shouldn't stop you. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> yeah. I've always been story first and I've actually never understood people's fascination with gear. And mm -hmm. I think a part of it is being on a pastor's budget. i just have allowed myself not to even think about new gear, mm -hmm. which helps a ton. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I love the, the YouTube, uh, platform, not because of any of the camera stuff, but because of the stories you can tell from it. And I think that's mm -hmm. what changes people, you know, like Steve jobs, he was the one who said the one who can tell the best story is the one who changes the world. You know, that's mm -hmm. the biggest impact. Are you a storyteller? So that's why I've always done it. And so I've always said, Hey, auto, it is, as long as there's a good story here and the audio's fine. Like, I think people will stick around. I love it. I love it. And you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm glad you kind of leaned into that storytelling asset because honestly, you are a, correct me if I'm wrong, third generation pastor. Fourth. Fourth, fourth generation yeah. pastor. So it goes back even deeper. Fourth generation pastor. So you come from a line of storytellers already um, with that. And I know you've navigated some when it comes to um, starting a church plant and going through all of those stages. So you've literally documented and told your own story using YouTube is what I, and I went back and watched the, the very first vlogs to the most <laughs> recent content over the years. So uh, share, can you share a little bit about what that journey has been like? Uh, honestly, just documenting your own story. Yeah. You know, I actually got the idea from Gary V. So I, I, 
before, so when I, I, I planted my church in 2016, January 10th, so the very beginning of the year. And by that point, like I've always been Mr. Productivity and somebody who prides himself in spending his time wisely. And so I've actually, I was never on YouTube. Kind of shows my age a little bit too, that I just was never on YouTube. And then late 2016, I was randomly on Facebook because I think I was putting together a Facebook ad to reach people in my community. And I ran across a Gary Vee ad and I don't know what it is, but it captured me. It was something about like using your story uh, to share your message with, with online media. But so I started watching, but then the first video I clicked on when I went to his YouTube channel was actually an interview with Casey Neistat. And so then I was like, this guy sounds pretty captivating. So I started watching Casey. So I was like, mm-hmm. forget you, Gary, Casey Neistat's where it's at. So I started watching all of his stuff. And I literally, that was uh, October of 2016 and November of 2016, I bought a camera from Craigslist and started making videos and seeing what I can do. So I've, I've been fascinated with that idea. I've always wished that I had recorded like the very first day my church launched, but I did start within the first year is towards the very end. But uh, our church is over six years old now. So for five years of it, we've kind of documented the highs and lows of my own personal journey, but also as a church. Um, you know, moving into our movie theater, getting kicked out of it because of COVID, trying to figure out where we're going to be, you know, us trying to start traditions at our church, you know, like Viking Feast. I've made a lot of vlogs about those, trying to see what would happen because the church plant, people at older churches hate traditions. Well, I'm a church planter saying traditions are awesome because like people show up to it and, Mm -hmm. you know, they see the value in doing something over and over again. And so I just kind of wrestled through that. And it is kind of funny because I started, you know, when I was 25 and and now that I'm 30, you know, it's just funny to see, like, you can, I can see myself grow as I go back and watch those videos. And that's the essence of storytelling, right? Like mm-hmm. when you are the character, the way it changes people is you're showing the world how you were changing. You know, there is no story without transformation. And the beauty of telling your own stories, you really don't know where it's going to go, but you're telling it. And so it, I've been on my own quote unquote hero's journey. And mm-hmm. there's been a lot of strings of videos that I've made in the past that I'm kind of ashamed of and think like, <laughs> oh man, what an unhealthy spot I was in, or even just yeah. what a bad edit. But as I, I do appreciate the the overall look. And I wish us, you know, being a pastor, I wish us as Christians, I think we'd be a lot more encouraged because we always look at like what's next and we don't feel like we're growing enough. But if we document or if we journal, even the last five years, 10 years, you actually do quickly see how much you've grown. Um, and, and so we're always looking ahead. We need, we do need to spend some time looking back and going, wow, look who I used to be. And that's been the beauty of using YouTube, both to inspire people to go on that journey with me, but it's also been really self-serving for myself to kind of see where God has sovereignly just taken me from one, one step of the journey to the next. Mm, I love that so much because I, I'm, I've always been baffled why, more church planners, why more even established, firmly established ministries have never leaned into the whole concept of documenting the journey, no matter where the it starts at. Because we always kind of wish that we had like from the day one. But I can yeah. honestly and sincerely say like it was like watching, uh, especially like watching your content. I don't know if anybody's vlogs have impacted me as much uh, as yours have that literally the day I quit my job. Um, which is crazy because two days ago I celebrated my third year anniversary uh, of wow. doing that, shaking, 
nervous, afraid, like all of the different things. But I just so happened to have my camera with me because I had started making a habit of carrying my camera every day. And so I'm always grateful that that memory doesn't live just in my brain. It literally uh, is documented. Like I have the conversation where my my friend that's in ministry work and I'm like, you know, we would talk and she was like, well, either you're going to believe God or you ain't. Don't call me no more complaining. <laughs> she was texting, don't call me no more complaining, saying that you don't like this job and you wish you could do this and you feel so strong. If you feel that strongly, you better take action. And I was like, OK. And next thing I know, I was out that door and I called her. She was like, wait, are you, you serious? <laughs> and so awesome. I, I just I just so firmly believe like, why is that? And I and I get that's a big question. But why do you feel that for ministries that like the place where it is supposed to be helping to elevate our faith more in the work that we're called to do? Why is it that we have not leaned into this medium for I mean, it's a two part question. Why do you feel like it's ministries have kind of taken a back seat to online media? And then two, when you were first getting started, why weren't you afraid of like what was being said at the time of like, oh, don't do the Internet. And once you post it, it'll never go away kind of stuff. Yeah. Remind me as I go through that second question, because okay. I'm the worst at this. So I'll okay. answer the first one first. Why don't more people do it? I think it's so multifaceted uh, quickly. One of them is actually, it's kind of, and this is sad, but it's the people who are more prone to do it are younger people, right? Like I, I'm a digital native. I think mm -hmm. I was be best of both worlds, born in 92. So I actually had a very normal childhood. Wasn't really on the phone a lot till I graduated high school. Um, you know, like, you know, the way that we're on our phones today, even then, mm -hmm. like when I was in college, social media wasn't anything like it is now. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to kind of be raised in a healthy way, but I, I, you know, nothing confuses me as with a camera and I, of course shoot auto, but I at least know how to turn it on and press record and all that kind of stuff. So, but what I'm noticing more and more, and it's really sad trend in ministry is younger people aren't going into ministry. And those are the people who would pick up a camera. And I think it's so many different reasons. Um, one is I don't think people are pouring into younger leaders enough. And so we don't have enough spiritual fathers and mothers to speak life into us to go and risk it all for the gospel and do something. But also like being a younger pastor, I've had a hard time leading people because the the overall thought that a lot of people have is young men are fools and they're just, you know, they're, they're not to be trusted and they don't know enough. And certainly I don't know enough, but I know enough to know, you know, that my Bible is what knows. So even just leading ministry in general as a younger person today is, is really hard. There's a lot of stereotypes against us. So, but the other thing is churches, they say they want younger people, but they don't put younger people in positions of leadership and power. And so you can't have your cake and eat it too. And like, you need to let us lead. And so I'm really grateful for my father being fourth generation pastor. He's empowered me so much to where I planted my own church as a lead pastor at 23 years old. It was a month later, I turned 24, but it just sounds cooler to say I was 23. Sure, uh, right. But really, it actually <laughs> sounds even more foolish because I, I do think I wish I waited at least another year. But then I think, well, you know, God has his own purposes and I passed all the tests. So here we are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of it. Like us who are younger, who would think more about, let me turn on the camera. We don't have as many reps and opportunities, which is a sad reality. But also, I think a huge part I tell, so I run it's, it's, I'm, I'm getting back into it again. Cause I took like a five month hiatus for, from writing a book. And also I almost changed, uh, churches and then 
that didn't happen. There's a whole story on that on my YouTube channel. But so that's kind of thrown me for a loop. And honestly, there's been a lot of just wounds and and stuff for me to process. So, you know, I'm, I, for five years, I uploaded like three times a week and these last five months, it's so weird that I haven't as much, but anyways, I say all that to say when I encourage pastors, I have like 75 different pastors on my Facebook group that have bought my course in the past. And the biggest barrier that I tell them over and over, I say, look, personal is more powerful than professional. I try to say that over and over and over again. A lot of people won't turn it on because like, especially the vlogging style is not professional enough. It's not polished. They kind of look foolish in their eyes. And so they're fearful of that. And so instead of just pushing through it and being raw and vulnerable and personal, they try to do videos that's all clean and proper and it doesn't connect and people don't watch it. And then they're like, see, this thing doesn't work for me. I'm out. And so that's a huge part of it. Just our own pride. The other side of it, so some people are are too prideful and so they want to be polished and professional and that never works. The other side of it, though, is people are, quote unquote, too humble. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that whole he must increase, so I must decrease. So, you know, I, you know, they they point to John the Baptist as an example of of having humility and, and therefore don't put yourself out there. But there's a reason you and I still know his name, John the Baptist, because he's John the Baptist. We know his story. He wasn't shy enough. He wasn't so shy that you don't know him. And so he used his platform and he had a platform, but he used it to point to Jesus, but he still had a platform. And so it's hilarious to me that we talk about John the Baptist as like the perfect example. Meanwhile, you still know his brand. He's got a great brand, you know? So like you need to get yourself out there too. The question is, what are you going to be talking about? when you are using the videos, and that's a whole nother conversation, but pastor after pastor says, I can't, man, I just feel so wrong. It feels prideful to have a channel with my name on it and with my face on it. And I mean, look at the Bible. It's full of names, full of their stories, and it's full of our broke, our, their brokenness pointing mm-hmm. to the need of a savior. So that's how I've looked at it. So that's why, you know, the hero's journey thing, right? I've actually tried to make sure I wasn't the hero of every story because Jesus is, first of all, but also I want to empower you to pursue your story. Um, So the way I help people is to show all the ways that I've failed and I get honest and I talk about my struggles. And I just think that that connects with people better. And it's reality. You know, it's actually like I don't have to lie and come up with a a spin on this story. Like my last one about not going in California, like Mm -hmm. I was really raw and honest about it. And it was not what I wanted. And then I thought it's what God told me to do. And now it's not. And it's a mess, you know, and I'd rather nobody know about it. But I keep thinking, man, God uses stories to change people's lives. And this is a story. And I've always shared my story. And this is a part of it. So I have mm-hmm. to. And it's also, you know, a little bit cathartic to to share my story. And I think it kind of brings coherence to my suffering. It gives me a purpose in the middle of the pain because I can go, OK, Second Corinthians one, right in my weaknesses, in my in my foolishness. That's actually how Christ is glorified. And, and that's how people are served and comforted. So I'm actually going to keep sharing this part of the story or else I have no right to share the success part of mm. my story. Ooh, listen, okay. That is strong because <laughs> it, uh, so much of it, I, it's such a contradictory statement that it's like, well, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to tell my, your driver's license has your name on it. Your house deed uh-huh. has your name on it. You you know, and you're like, oh, I paid for that car. That car is paid off in Jesus name. Yeah. But whose name is on title? Your name. You didn't say Jesus paid it all on the title. It's your name. And oh, heaven forbid the church name. And it's like, it's always like the little thing under there led by pastor such and such and whatever on the thing. 
So I'm like, eh, no, this, I think that's an excuse. You're using this as an excuse as to why you're not doing the work. And this, yeah. I think, it's present a lot of work. Day, I think present day pastoring cannot omit the internet. There's no way. And people will yeah. say, uh, especially like in, in the faith circles is like, oh, don't let your kids on TikTok. No, I think we need to be not just like consumers, but we also need to be dominating and being in our in our in our space and in our field and doing our our job. That's why I'm so uh, passionate about video, because I want the gear to get out of the way. Learn what you need to learn so that you can confidently go and create and be in your space. Everybody feels like um, the world will be a better place if X, Y and Z. And I believe the world will be a better place if we were all doing our purposeful work. You may be yeah. that person that's supposed to go and do whatever is like really bothering you, keeping you up at night. Like you cannot get off of it. Maybe it's your job to go and, and do something about it. And media and the medium of video, I believe is the best form of communication, especially mm -hmm. present day. Um, so I, it just baffles me that we're not, uh, not doing more. So my, my second part to the question is why weren't you afraid and with all of the stuff that's out there? Why were you not afraid? I'm saying as far as, um, what churches would say, what we've been uh, traditionally uh, told to do, because I was born in 88. So I get the whole thing. We kind of got the best of both worlds. Um, yep. You know, we know about the first days of Facebook, MySpace and the like. But we also yeah. know about the analog digital age and, you know, what our parents, grandparents and all of them dealt with in the radio, stuff like that. Like we lived in both. Uh, but why weren't you why didn't you listen to that? And you were more led to to share your your vision and what what God was taking you through. Um just planning a church for the first time and, and starting to vlog that. I think I was too dumb to know otherwise. Okay. <laughs> you know, so actually <laughs> my, my grandfather, we just, we actually, it was his funeral was just uh, in January and mm -hmm. he was my name. So I'm his namesake. So he's also William Lamar Van Camp. And uh, he told me, he goes, a lot of stuff I achieved in my life is because I didn't know I couldn't. And I love that, you know? And so, being a church planter, um, I'm not very much in the established church world, and I'm intentional about that. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of those tr like very legalistic voices in my life. Uh, I have a lot of entrepreneurs around me uh, in the area that I am and the people that I serve. They're go-getters. My dad, um, you know, he's half pastor, but he's also half businessman, and he has just done a lot in his life, and he's still... I mean, he runs a thousand person church, but he's still pouring concrete just because he loves the game of of building and uh, trading and all those different. He just loves it. And mm -hmm. so that's just kind of in my DNA. And so um, but it's 115 out on a regular basis in Arizona. So I'm like, OK, let's let's do entrepreneur, but also in like in a in AC. And so I was like, how can I right. do this with video? And so I've actually always had a passion for video editing before. I just didn't know I could put myself in front of the camera. It was just a, a lot of this stemmed from a passion for people. Where are the people? You know, so like Jesus says, you know, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm -hmm. And that was my, that's what I kept going back to. Why am I doing this? I saw Casey Neistat preach his truth to millions of people every day. And I think, wow, that's how we need to communicate the gospel in a more personal way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I just kept thinking, like, so when I would turn on the camera and I would edit, I just kept thinking of certain people in my life. Um, 
in the beginning, I, I actually made it with the emphasis of the non-believer. So I'd think about the non-believer in my life. And so I'd try to really show I'm a pastor, but I'm normal. You know, I go through all the mm-hmm. same kind of stresses. But then as as time progressed, I recognized who I kind of naturally talked to. And so I noticed that more leaders were reaching out to me and I kind of had a bigger impact in their life. And so I kind of tailored my content accordingly. So now I think mm-hmm. about the church planner friend that I have in Tucson who's struggling, um, a, a church planner friend in Houston, Texas. Um, you know, so those kind of people, I think about their story and that's what motivates me. Man, if I can use my story in my life to help them, mm-hmm. why not? And so I've never taken myself too seriously. And my youth pastor always taught me that never take yourself too seriously. And that's always Mm -hmm. been a gift. And so, um, yeah, I I think, you know, that's honestly the answer for me is it wasn't hard because I love editing. That's the gift. And I feel really bad for pastors who think that video stuff is annoying. That's hard. I can't relate to that. I've put in a lot of work up before I did a decade of video stuff before I started my channel. Um, and I love it and it's kind of natural and intuitive to me. And honestly on my low days, so at 2 PM ish, I need to be doing interviews like this, which is actually two right now. This is great. Like I can't just do certain work. It's just too tiring. Uh, but editing, I can do any time of day at any place. I just love it. And so that's been a gift for me. And I know for a lot of others, that's not, but that's also another reason I kept doing it. Cause it's just legitimately really fun. Mm. Um, and so maybe that's not a super spiritual reason, but that's the reason. It's just like, I love this and mm-hmm. I love what God's doing in my life and I want people to know about it. And yeah, I did get some flack from people and I did get people say, you know, people aren't going to take you too seriously, blah, 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 this, that, that, the other. But uh, overall, there's been a lot of positive voices in my life that's encouraged me to keep going. Mm. I love that. And, you know, it's a couple things with that. So, number one, I disagree with the statement that people won't take you seriously because, again, I think that's putting image too much uh, on the pedal stool of making sure you're curating how people see you, which I think naturally as human beings we do already. But I think that's really taking, you know, a a little bit too much of that to the extreme. Uh, But number two, I did disagree with that because. I listened to you more than I les- listened to my pastor at the time that was a lead pastor. We didn't have any messages that could be, you had maybe record yourself or maybe like uh, I know at one point they're still trying to do CDs. I'm like, when we got CD players, like in some cars, like what? Wow. <laughs> I, I think that's such a pivotal question that, that gets ignored. Who are your young people listening to? Yes. If they're, you're right. saying they're not listening to you, but what do you have that's in a medium that's digestible of what, they're already into that they would listen to. So I disagree because I found so much value in um, your messages and what you were teaching. So I wasn't just watching the vlogs. And if it wasn't a vlog, I wasn't interested because I'm a believer. I learned a lot. Some stuff I have on uh, like the downloads and then on like a MP3 player I use when I'm traveling, just cause I'm not going nice. to kill the battery on my phone and your messages are on there. Your messages are on there. So I, I disagree with that because the library of content that you've created over the years still serves. Thank you. It's and I disagree it with serves. it too. I never let the naysayers stop me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's certainly what a lot of people fear when I talk to pastors. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just this, I guess they just like the idea of being on a stage and being above people, but that's not, and I'm actually all for preaching. Like I, I believe in the power of preaching, but you know, it's like just that whole do you really like I just some people they think they can only lead if they're from an elevated position. Mm. And what I love about storytelling, what I love about YouTube is saying, like, I'm with you 
follow me as I follow Christ, but I'm just a couple steps ahead, if that. And so let's Mm -hmm. journey together. I love that. This week's Gear Fix is brought to you by our messaging system, which is powered through SpeakPipe that we use so that you can leave your own voice messages for the podcast. So number one, if you haven't left a rating or review, please be sure to do that. Number two, you can go to dinah.link forward slash message at any time to do that. But this week specifically, um, you can go into the Gear Fix link, dinah.link forward slash Gear Fix, and leave a message. We're talking about some really good stuff on these various interviews that we're doing. And I highly, highly encourage you to share your thoughts um, on some of the segments that we're doing before and after. So if you haven't done that already, be sure to do so. But let's get back into this week's podcast episode. Now, there are some things like when we fast forward into 2020 that uh, or it's still in the past, but from your story storyline, if we fast forward into 2020, I can about imagine you felt the same way I felt like we've been telling y'all for the longest time to get yourselves yep. in gear. Now, all of a sudden, oh, what camera, what mic I should have you should have been bought it. <laughs> you should have bought it a long time ago. And now, you know, now you're like. On the gun is like, well, we don't have a way now. Everybody's not like the internet's or YouTube's the devil. It's like, hey, come subscribe, hit the subscribe button and the like, and be sure to join our lives and stuff. So when 2020 came, um, I know you saw a lot of, uh, and probably got a lot of pastors that hit you up asking uh, you questions. Um, but since then, I'm curious, what are some mistakes you've seen uh, different ministers or, or ministries rather and pastors uh, kind of fall back when it comes to uh, media. What are some mistakes you've seen them make? Yeah, I remember it being such a exciting time because I wasn't exhausted from trying to find answers. I was like, I've been doing this for three years. Mm-hmm. Got so I actually spent all my time helping a bunch of other pastors speed up, you know, and 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 get with the 21st century. And um, that was a pretty funny time in life because it was a lot of people who thought I was being dumb, and now all of a sudden I got real smart overnight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But what frustrated me was a couple things. Uh, pastor's misunderstanding of the analytics. Uh, I really believe that as pastors, we need to be truth tellers in all aspects. And um, one thing that's really troubling is people kind of point to Facebook views and then they say, oh, wow, we've reached a thousand people last week uh, because look, look at the data. And it's like, well, the data says there was 900 one second views. There was 50 10 second views. And then there was 22 10 minute views. So you had 22 people and you have to realize maybe seven of them were other pastors going, how did they pull this service off? You know, so like mm-hmm. I didn't want to be that cynical, bitter, bitter person, but doing YouTube myself and Facebook and stuff, I've learned you have to really lean into the analytics and you don't need to give yourself false hope. And so I think it actually set up a lot of churches for false hope when the door started to open up again. And it's like, Pastor, you were saying we're reaching thousands. Why do we have even less people in the room now that we're back? Um, And, you know, it's all sorts of those kind of things. So that was frustrating to me. But the biggest frustration was, again, my passion for being online is storytelling. And so I was trying to show people, here's the camera you get. Here's what you do. But I kept saying, share your life, uh, do a podcast, uh, you know, interview, uh, have a live stream where you're talking to your congregation, uh, preach on Sunday, and then do mm-hmm. a live version of it through Ecamm Monday. 
where mm-hmm. you're actually allowing people's comments that you put on the screen kind of direct where you're going to go with that conversation. Like I kept with, with all these different ideas that people can go with, you know, sermon clip, mm-hmm. but then maybe have a vlog with a sermon clip in it, which I've done for years. Right. And all people did was, yeah, 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 yeah. So how do we live stream our service? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how do I live stream the, the Sunday serve? And so it was still just about the Sunday experience, which as a path, I'm not against. I I get weary when I'm I'm dumped into this digital church world where people think I'm the guy who thinks buildings don't matter. Ask any mm-hmm. church planter of which I am. Buildings matter a lot. They're really helpful, especially mm-hmm. during COVID because we got kicked out of our meeting location, uh, you know, at the theater. And so mm-hmm. like I knew more than ever, it'd be really nice to have a building so I can meet with people and counsel people and pray together and all sorts of stuff stuff. But anyways, that's what was really discouraging to me is we still just didn't see, I don't, they still don't, you know, they think, oh, we're so creative because we pressed record for my messages. (laughs) It just is really frustrating to me and it still frustrates me. Yeah, for sure. And I could probably hear some people say it's been, well, I don't have time to be a content creator and this, that, or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, Pastor, you don't have no excuse. So uh, because it, here's why most people have volunteers. They have even if I would say 30 and I, I operated a 30 uh, at one point, it was like 30 people or less uh, church ministry until it started to grow. And then uh, at that point, you have more hands. But yeah. So wearing multiple hats is not anything new to, I think most people that are running uh, a ministry um, average size, I believe it's like something like two, 200 to 250 people or less here in the uh, North America. So in, 75, 75 now even is in drop. Yeah. So, uh, you know, even with that, that's not a lot of people. However, most ministries talk about having a community that they're serving and wanting to do more. Yet nobody has put out a Sunday anything or Saturday something, uh, midweek something or whatever. Like, I think, okay, I'm jumping around because I'm excited. All right. So, (laughs) so first of all, I think all churches have either a YouTuber or you can touch shoulders someplace close with somebody's friend that actually is on YouTube and creating content. Because there's a lot of us, us is out here that you could ask questions to and touch or join a live stream. So that's no excuse. Number two, I don't see any ministries put out messages or like an alert. There's no Facebook post about here's a Saturday YouTubers class where we'll invest in some kind of a gear or equipment, but we need, if you are like 18 and under, but you want to learn YouTube, you can come to YouTube for the church. I've never heard anybody share or suggest that. So we did that. that once. Okay. I'm not talking about you. Okay, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're the one guy, and you okay. it's like you know. I, I got a couple like you, Joshua Burris. Like I know, I know yeah. you're into it, but I'm just saying you're like just saying nobody. Whole, so I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I've not heard many. I'll put out, change it. I'll alter yeah. many ministries yeah, yeah. where that's the thing. Because I'm like, all kids say that they want to start a YouTube channel. Why not do it for the church? It's not telling them to figure it out on, on their own only, but most of the time they already know they're following the who's who they're keeping up with the trends. They know what platforms help. They could learn the analytics faster than any of us could. Cause they do have the more time. So I just don't see where ministries are leveraging the communities that they're saying that they want to serve to get back more of that time. Or um, we're 501 C three nonprofit organizations. Most of the time or 508 C one a depending on the, the, what you're doing. But uh, so with that being said, 
you could leverage having people do uh, interns at the church. It don't have to be yeah. paid. It could be unpaid. And they still need hours for different things for community service. I think somebody every high school, at least in the U.S., just about makes you do something. So it's like you don't have to be the full time vlogger. You can have somebody document, create for you and be around to kind of help with that. So I, don't, I just don't want people to get discouraged hearing like, well, I don't know how to edit. I, don't, I barely know how to turn the community. You know enough to check your bank account, set up direct deposit and, you know, make sure the normal things, pay your phone bill, whatever are done. I just don't want people to use that as an excuse. Like, well, I'm not Trey. Neither am I. But all skills are learnable. Yes. All skills are learnable. Yeah, it's not like all of a sudden I woke up and go, oh, I know how to do all this. And it just cracks me up. People ask questions. It's like, have you YouTubed this first? Like, have you searched how to do this yet? No, mm -hmm. I just thought you'd tell me. Just search it, bro. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like everything I've ever done was this sounds like an idea. Has anybody done this before? Or I see mm -hmm. like Peter McKinnon do something and I go, I want to do that. You know, I'm going to look, watch his tutorial. Like it just takes work. And mm -hmm. and it's like so and, and I'm sympathetic to the 65 year old pastor who's like, I'm just right. almost done anyways, you right. know? And, and that's when I say, Hey, invest in somebody else or empower. It doesn't have to be your voice in your face. Have somebody mm -hmm. in your church. Hopefully by that time you've raised up a bunch of leaders, have them be the face and do a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sympathetic towards the young pastor who pastors an elderly congregation. Uh, but it's like, Hey, put in the extra hours, learn it yourself because your church members won't, you know, okay, I'll give you that if they're, mm -hmm. you know, 60 and up. But you have time, and if you don't, then you you just don't have the right priorities, right? Prioritize mm -hmm. the time, figure it out, and uh, um, get it going. Because guess what? Do you need young people? Yes. Well, you're not online. So if you, you're complaining about being at an old church, well, make some more content online that helps reach younger people as well. So ministry is hard. You know, like ministry is a lot yeah. of work, and yeah. I'm bivocational, so I— not just do ministry, but I do other jobs as well. Mm -hmm. YouTube being one of them now, which has been great side income, but also I pour concrete with my father. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, there's a lot of pastors I've met that are really lazy and that's a sad reality and they don't really want to do a lot. But also there's a ton of pastors who do want to do what's best and are working hard. Um, but some of them just aren't working hard at the right things, it seems. And one of them is that they're ignoring is the digital world. And so actually in the book that I'm writing that should come out eventually, um, one chapter is about the digital world. And I actually want to push back a little bit, you know, we, you were talking about, which I know you probably agree with, but there is, it's a paradox. There's a balance where we do need to um, talk about digital simplicity. So in my chapter on the, on a digital way of life, I give two practices that we need to practice. Number one is digital simplicity. And number two is a uh, digital storytelling. Um, but digital simplicity, like I think it, you have to really see your maturity level, your stage, your season in life, and that will determine how you interact with a digital world. And so my girls, you know, six, four, and three, they're not mm -hmm. going to be, there's no one just turned seven. I almost got in trouble there. Seven, four, <laughs> and three. They're not going to be on TikTok right now. That's toxic for them. Um, and so knowing that is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but then when they're 15 or whatever, it, I just, you you have to know as a parent, what is, what do they need at this moment? And you don't want a helicopter and all, there's so much to that. Uh, but, but it's easier for me just to, you know, cause I don't want to share the whole thing, but 
as adults, I think what we need is a time to retreat and then a time to return. We need to retreat from the digital world. We need to spend more time in the word. We need to spend time in silence and solitude. And we need to spend more time in community. Like it does eat up our lives. And it's really sad that we spend eight hours a day. Some of us on our phone, that's not healthy at all. Um, and by the way, TV counts as digital. So I just think it's so hilarious. The older generation makes fun of us being on our iPhone. I'm like, but you're on Fox news. It's like the same thing, you know, like it's, yeah. it's all. And so, um, so as a pastor, my passion is, it sounds like a paradox. It sounds like I'm contradicting myself, but it's like, Hey, I actually want to lead a people who, who, uh, use social media, but they're not addicted to it. And, and so mm-hmm. they have the wise understanding of spiritual formation and understanding that you're always being formed into someone or something. And so if you spend all your time watching this type of content, you're going to become that type of person, which probably is not good, you know, in, in many ways. And so I think it's a nuanced conversation. So I understand part of the church that says who wants to go like Mennonite and Amish and go like, you know, no internet. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, like actually this past five months, there's been stages uh, of, of just heartache in my life where the last thing I needed was to watch another YouTube video. I had to get away uh, and spend time in solitude with the Lord. We see so many people, Jesus does this, Moses does this, Elijah does this. It's all throughout Mm -hmm. the scriptures. But also, we always retreat in order to return. Moses went back to Egypt, right? Jesus went, he started his ministry, right? And so um, so we have to have, what I talk about is digital storytelling when we come back. Like we need to use these platforms and, and watch enough to know what the trends are, like you said, to know what's going on. But we need to be contributors, not, we need to be contributing more than we are consuming. And uh, I think that's way out of whack right now. And, and it shows. Hundred percent. So if a if a pastor is wanting to, okay, they're saying, okay, I hear you, I hear what you're saying, I'm ready to re-engage. What's the first thing? Like they're still doing the copy and paste of the Sunday sermon on YouTube, and that's all that it's been for the last eight or nine months. What would you say to that pastor that's wanting to re-engage into this digital media space differently? What would be uh, a piece of advice that you would give them or a different type of content to start engaging with? Yeah, that's great. It really, oh man, a few things that I've seen pastors do well in lately is even just leveraging Instagram, leveraging like the Q&A portion. So they have like Mm -hmm. every Friday, hey, ask me questions, um, either about what you're preaching on in the series or just life in general. And so, you know, they spend their whole story that day answering questions. I've seen that be really helpful for people, um, if, especially if that's your skill of just like apologetics or your skill is uh, just just you're a brainiac and you can answer any question that people ask, like lean mm-hmm. into that Q&A, either live on YouTube, which is, I think is phenomenal, mm-hmm. or, or on Instagram. Um, another way you can do it that I've seen people do recently is do reels or TikToks, you know, where you actually... Uh, and I'm working on this a lot lately, you summarize your entire message in a minute. And so you actually introduce what I think every story has is tension. And then there's an intervention point and then an invitation at the end. And so uh, really in a minute, state that tension. Um, I always tell people in order to grab attention, you must grab a tension. 
So right away, talk about the problem and that person feels pulled by it. And then you talk about the different ways society calls us the interventions, but then Jesus really is the only way. And then you extend an invitation to them, however that looks like. So really perfecting that model of, okay, how can I quickly share the main meat of my message within a minute? I think is a really helpful practice, even just to get your sermon better, to know where am I going and where is this heading towards? Um, Those are a few small things. I, I still... What's hard is I do feel like in some ways the vlogging like genre is is very, very uh, uh, dead or dying. And so it's really hard uh, for me to admit that mm-hmm. in the sense of how I used to do it. And so um, there's just so many people out there. You have to really convince them to follow you right away. And the you know traditional Casey Neistat version of vlogging um, – you know, it's just kind of, it eases you in and it's really relaxed. And sometimes there's a huge purpose. Other times it's just the ordinary mundane of life. And it was just fun to journey with you. Um, that doesn't like grab people's attention anymore. So you do have to get more creative. And so that's why my storytelling, I've had to really change and figure out, okay, how do I keep up with this new trend? And that's, man, that's what makes this so hard. Cause it's like what worked five years ago doesn't work today. And that, you know, so like in the digital world, that's, that's even more than ever. And the hardest thing for me in my own journey that I've been trying to figure out, and I think I'm getting close is understanding who your audience is. And every pastor wants to say the world, uh, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to go very far if you do that. So uh, really realizing kind of narrowing down who, who my avatar is, right. Um, I always say my, your biggest tribe is just two steps behind. So, so who were you two years ago and how can you minister to that person? online. It's helped me a lot. Um, but yeah, like there's so much nuance to it, but man, I I can tell you this, even if you just vlog, you may not go very wide, but you can go very deep with some people. Like we have a great relationship because of my vlogs, right? Like, you know Mm -hmm. me and I've been able to bless you in ways I didn't know about until this conversation. Um, but you know, I'm not running a bunch. I've put in the work that some million subscriber people have put in. I'm confident of that. I have tried. Yes. Yes. Um, but I have some legitimate relationships and I've been able to pay my mortgage every month through YouTube, you know, which is great, you know? So I've been able to make some good money on it and, and not, you know, it's their choice. I've, I give everything out for free, but it's like a support system. And I'm really grateful, you know, being a church planter with, with low budgets. Uh, it's been a very great gift, but that's never why I did it. It's never why I started, but I'm like, if I can do this and bless my family, that'd be amazing. So there are some pastors out there, maybe that's your motivation, a part of it. And that's okay. Like, it's not a waste of time. It's actually helped me buy more time with my family uh, because mm-hmm. it's taken care of a lot of bills. I love that. And you have a, a, a book coming out. I know you have your Patreon community. So uh, please share how can people connect with you more? And I would love to um, know when we can expect uh, this book release. And so I can definitely keep it on the radar and make sure I share that out as well. Thank you. Um, so it's in the editing phase. My book design, the cover. Uh, have you heard of Sketchy Sermons? I have not. I have not. Oh, wow. On Instagram. This guy's great. He takes people's messages and, and does a sketch of them. He's getting really popular right now. He's doing great stuff. I actually hired him out to do my book design, and I'm really excited to see what he does. Um, so it's going to be certainly within the next two months. I, I just don't know the process of what else is left. So mm-hmm. TreyVanCamp.com, like it's going to be there at, at my website uh, when it does come out. I also have a weekly Tribune. So I just kind of share three insights, three ideas that I have every week. So that's one way to keep up with me uh, to subscribe to my newsletter at TreyVanCamp.com. Uh, but the biggest thing I always push people to is just look up Trey Van Camp on YouTube. 
And uh, there's a lot of a lot of videos there. I have made over 700. I have unlisted a lot of them uh, because of niching down and knowing my audience and all that sort of jazz. But they're unlisted, so they're available if you go to the homepage, right? And you like go to the playlist. But mm-hmm. anyways, I, I'm trying. I'm figuring it out. I'm actually going. I don't know if you're going, but I'm going to Vegas in a couple of weeks. Are you gonna be there? I am not. I no, not no. I'm not. I you know. I looked at. uh, I came back from uh, was it Social Media Marketing World. Um, I think it's been like a uh, maybe a month and a half, maybe two months ago or something like that. Um, And that was uh, a phenomenal honor one to be speaking there. I thought that was like a goal a few years down the road. Um, But I was looking at like what kind of events and conferences that I want to go to, and just like I don't know. I'm not vibing with anything right now per se in the sense that I don't know. I'm kind of like digging more like sign up maybe for some mastermind trainings or specific things. Um, Just really trying to laser down instead of like, I want to be and do community, but I also came back with the flu uh, and was down for like a week and a half. So I'm like, yeah, I I don't know about that right now. (laughs) Right on, right on. Well, I won't see you there then, but I have seen you there before. That was fun to see you four years ago. Right. Video. (laughs) It was, it was, I hope you have a fantastic time. Well, Trey, thank Thank you so much uh, just for your time and the wisdom that you've that you've given. And again, uh, we'll put everything in the show notes as well as uh, in the description so more people can find out uh, about you. But Trey, again, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Thank you. Grace and peace to you. So that's where I'm going to leave it for this week's episode. So if you're new here, come back around for next week's episode or go check out one of the other episodes that we have on the podcast. Again, this podcast is dedicated to you helping you simplify the video creation process. But if you know somebody else, they may be able to take advantage of that, want to get started in YouTube or starting creative videos, share the link with them. Kick them over one of the episodes that you found valuable or that you think would help them out the most. And if you haven't left a rating or review, be sure to do that. I highly appreciate it. And as I love to end all of my podcasts, the winds of life blows on us all, but it is how you set your sales. With that, guys, live a passion. I'll see you on the next episode of the Video Simplified Podcast. Take care. Yeah.